Right. So, having met with the group leaders, um, they had some recommendations and suggestions. One of them was that we take longer on the particular uh, subjects that we're looking at. You okay? Oh. I know I'm not Jamie, but I mean, he got his good looks from me, so... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we had the presentation last week on the subject of uh, commitment, and, uh, and we're going to look at it in a bit more detail. Of course, uh, many of you already know all the stuff around this. You know, if you've done foundation course or doulos or you've looked at basics of building, I mean, it's kind of, it's sort of very central to how and who we are. Uh, and uh, if you want more sort of structured detail, that's all there, available in, in print, and you can get refreshed and, and look at that. Um, so I want to kind of just talk around it a little bit uh, this morning, but probably uh, so that we can kind of keep relevant to where you, you are and things you want to ask, we're going to do that little trick, you know, that we did, where if you've got a question that comes up, you know, to do with what we're talking about, not sort of what's Father Christmas going to bring me. I mean, let's put that aside. But relevant to what we're talking about this morning, then you text it. See, I'm getting into this technical age. You text it to the number which may appear on the screen, which could be Avril. Is that your number, Avril? Yes. Right. And then at the end, Avril will decide uh, the significance of the questions and will bring those significant questions, She's not even listening to me, which is normal. But, uh, I have to live with this. Uh, anyway, let's hope that she will bring things which uh, we want to hear. We'll see. See how it goes. Right. Now we have to recap. Uh, which is going through this PowerPoint. Yeah, we can just go to the PowerPoint now. Right. Okay. Can you read? You don't need me to read it then, do you? Right. Hands up when you finish reading it. Those of you that managed to read it and put your hands up, well done. But for those who weren't able to read it, we actually do help people with reading. If, if it was a struggle, we've, we've got classes for that. All right. Called to live our normal lives radically. Yeah. We believe our values are as radical today. All right. Next one, please. And these were some of the things that we did, story time and the other thing, whatever it was called. Uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, the top one, spoof or something. Parody. Contemporary parody. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Shall I show you my tattoo? <laughs> right. Toilet. Yeah, well, you remember what that was about? Yeah? 
All right, spoof newsletter. Next one, please, Hannah. All right, so what pleases him? That's what we're interested in. The problem is uh, we don't always want to do what he wants. Excuse my back, won't you? I've got to look at, the, I look at the screen this way. I can't see it that way because that thing's in the way. You all right? You okay? Yeah, we're okay. Okay, all right, good. good. <laughs> so whose crown is it anyway? This question of deciding about what does God want. Hey, this is actually a big deal. You know, most people, when we come with the message of Jesus' rule, Jesus determining, having the right, if we choose to give it, yield to him, having the right to, to rule in our lives, and therefore being given the opportunity to give us the best possible life that we could ever have. The problem is that sometimes it kind of clashes. It clashes with what we want. It clashes with tradition or religious beliefs or background. All of that has to go to one side if we're going to do what he wants. So we have to get to grips with, uh, I don't want to, but I choose to do it anyway. Next one, Hannah, please. Tanima goes through this a lot quicker than I do, doesn't he? Yeah. Do you repay the loan? Money on my mind. Money, key thing. Remember, it, it's, God uses it as a, as a thermometer. Yeah. Thermometer shows on the outside what's happening on the inside. So it's far more important the, than the actual money. Yeah. Next one. Then serving. Yes, all the different opportunities characteristics of that yes next one please Hannah and then about gaining the power of God to live from a different life source and live differently yes next one company of game changers people who are significant not because they're they're kind of um charismatic characters but simply because there are people that can show and do show what God is like are people just like us <laughs> this is what the Bible says he, he, he didn't go around looking for superstars he didn't, doesn't want superstars you don't even need to apply if you want to be a superstar people who are saying I have chosen to follow him and I live by his power they're the people that can actually make a difference in this world. And we were, we were hearing um, just now from Hans about that young couple and how they're being light in the darkness. And God calls us and the things we're constantly hearing is about that opportunity to be um, sought in the earth. Right, was there another one? Okay, then we're on to this one. The commitment, don't give up the fight. By God's grace, by God's power, and because of his love, we keep on. Yes, thank you. Next one. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your rights. Get up, stand up. Oh, it's just, it's don't give up. Stand up for your rights. Get up, stand up. 
It's enough of this fun. It's got to be serious. Yeah, God's not keen on that kind of half-heartedness. Well, it's sort of calls it lukewarm. You know, you can understand it, can't you? He gave his one and only son for us. I mean, you can't really go further than that. Christ suffered and died for us. I mean, you can't, you can't sort of follow that with a sort of, if I feel like it, um, if it suits me, kind of, oh, I don't, I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's what I want today. It just doesn't fit with the whole sense of what God's done for us and calling us to. Yeah, is there any more or is that it? Oh, these are those scriptures. Yeah, I don't need those yet. No, that's a little trick. As I get to it, you find it. It means you need to know where it is as well. All right, so that's, that's a kind of background. Now, um, those kind people that offered to volunteer, would you come here? Thank you very much. It's good to have you back, guys, just in time. Move those chairs off of there. Now, all right. This is a Bible story, all right? Um, we're working it out as we go along. It's all right, you can relax a little bit. Nothing's going to go wrong, all right. <laughs> right, um, could you please stand to the wings? Well, okay, you can stand that side to the wings as well. This is the stage. Let me sit down and sit on your lap then, love. <laughs> right. Okay. So there was this man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Right, okay. You're, you're on the stage, please. And the problem was, on the way, some robbers set upon him and beat him up. <laughs> Right, right. Okay, that's enough, that's enough. Hey, you've nicked his phone. And his shoe. That's the problem, these guys go off to university and they come back with all these sort of... Anyway, as it happened, uh, a priest was passing by. We're, we're a bit short here, but they're going to double up. And he took a look. And he just went on his way. And as it happened, good thinking, a Levite was passing by, and he sort of had a look and he went on his way. <laughs> you need to put down the spoil of battle, that's right, because it spoils the image. However, a Samaritan came along, and he saw the man, and he kind of looked after him and pulled in iron, um, oil and vinegar and what have you. I need a donkey. Could one, of you, could one of you be a donkey, Ben? You're a donkey. You're a donkey. And he put him on the donkey. This could be interesting. Side <laughs> saddle. 
and took him to the inn. You're the innkeeper. And he said, look after him. <laughs> That's your wrong story. He said, look after him and I'll, I'll reimburse you. All right. Well done, guys. What was the purpose of that story that Jesus told? Come on, what was the purpose of it? Yeah, what, but what was, he, what was the question he was answering? Mm. Who is my neighbour? And it's very interesting because I was thinking about this. We've used that story in lots of different ways. But what a story of commitment. A story that went beyond the bounds of uh, religious or racial differences. In fact, turned over the norm completely confounded the expected and did something out of a heart of compassion because if you remember, the Bible says before he told this story, the question was, uh, love your neighbour as yourself. And then it was the question, who's your neighbour? Uh, but it was also about loving your neighbour. and Basically saying, you know, there's this heart of love which is expressed in levels of commitment uh, which is pleasing to God. That risky, put himself out, but it was a commitment that was expressed with cost, with care, with compassion. Love your neighbour as yourself. And you see, the heart of commitment, and I know we mentioned this last week and there have been many things that we've talked about before. The heart of commitment, if it's not, please get this, if it's not out of a heart of love, guys, it just becomes a new form of legalism. And for so many of us who have escaped the bondage of legalism and religiosity, to end up in that would be the ultimate tragedy, to have escaped and then returned into it. Be not entangled again, Paul pleads with the Galatians. Don't get entangled again with the yoke of bondage, legalism in any form. So that's why it has to be something which is very much uh, an expression, an overflow uh, of our heart. It's also important to understand that when, when God determined how things should be, Jesus ascended, having been raised from the dead, and there came the time when he reappeared to the disciples, and then he told them to wait in that upper room, spoke to them about sending the Holy Spirit, part of the whole trinity of God, and spoke to them about, you will be, you will be my witnesses. And 
when we look at it, the first thing that happened after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and Peter preaching and many people turning to Jesus, they came into community. They came into a new place of sharing life together. Not because it was laid out as a rule, but because something that God did in their hearts caused them to want to live in a different way. And he said, this is the pattern that I'm setting you. This is how I want me to be expressed on the earth by a people who love one another, who love one another to the point of being committed to one another, and out of that heart of love, live differently. It's complete change. Turning aside from all their previous uh, religious ways and notions into living differently. And that scripture in Acts chapter 2. He <laughs> he. Now all, all who believed together had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all, continued daily with one accord, house to house, having their meals together, gladness of heart. That kind of feels like a good time. Yeah? Kind of feels enjoyable. Anybody like having friends here? Three of us like to have friends. I'll get together with you. We like to have friends. Why? Because there's something birthed inside of us by the power of God that causes us, instead of just being individuals and leading separate lives and engaging in some kind of religious activity, that there's something that's placed in us that actually... (laughs) Bible tells us what it is. It's no secret. It's the love of God. It's the transforming thing that causes us to love one another to the point that we want to actually engage in the expression of that. I know we talk sometimes about uh, marriage as a commitment. But it always strikes me that if it's a series of things we commit to do and not a heart of love that is finding expression, something ain't going to work out too good at all. That thing ain't going to last. You know, I, here's my list of rules. There's her list of rules. Okay, while well, we keep the rules, we're okay. But it's, that's not God's way. It's being joined together in a heart of love. Now, I know that that's a particular expression of covenant or commitment. But we share in the same nature of the ability to be joined together by the love of God. One of the um, requests that was made was that, that I might mention something of the the scriptures that, that gripped us way there when we first were getting this revelation. Another one that particularly uh, gripped me uh, was similar sort of thing, but it's in Philippians 2 verse 20. When Paul speaking of Timothy, he said, I have no one 
quite like him, who naturally cares for your estate, your genuine concern for your welfare, but they rather look for their own things. And I suppose, because God was showing us something, that rung a bell that said, one minute, against the backdrop of a world which is me first, last, and always, there could be something fundamentally different by God's power to show what he's like in this world. I think that's a very, very significant thing. See, we're talking about this. We're talking about, first of all, we're committing our lives to Jesus. We're saying, okay, I will no longer hold authority and control or be responsible simply for the care and well-being of my life. I will hand it over to you. I make my commitment to you. That's a big difference, you see, to what many of us were coming out of. See, a lot of us, I know this doesn't apply to many of you, but a lot of us were coming out of an understanding that following Jesus was trying kind of go to meetings, keep out of trouble, and one day you'll go to heaven. I have a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder I'll never more wander but walk on streets that are pure as gold. Did you like that, Heather? You did? Interesting. You clap my singing. You clap my singing, but you've never clapped my speaking. Right, I'm going to sulk. What a load of nonsense. I mean, what a dreadful situation. But listen, in this world now, there are people who are living outside of the revelation of submitting to the life of Jesus and to the purpose of God that we live in community. They're attending meetings. They're actually thinking that the future, that the meaning of life is to walk on some streets of gold. There are no streets of gold. It's just a... Gee, I can't get into it. I said it once, I was somewhere, I think it was Rwanda. And you know sometimes you can see people kind of closed down. I've never seen it so visible. There was this group of leaders there, and I saw on the face of one of them a complete shutdown. I mean, physically, I'm not listening to this character anymore. He's just taken away my streets of gold. I mean, just amazing how people are focused on that. And the crazy thing is... That when we turn to Jesus, we're saying, we're not putting the trust of our lives in wealth and possessions and fame. We're actually choosing to trust our life and our eternity into the hands of Jesus. We're turning away from material things. We're understanding that material things can't give us what God has promised for us. Boy, did I see that in my... They stopped broken. So many rich people 
so many sad people. People that just... One of the saddest ones I ever met was one of the richest, one of my clients. And his whole life, I think, was focused around, I've got all this money and I've got to make sure that nobody can get it off of me. That guy would have been happier with about two pennies in his pocket than umpteen million pounds. So we think, we turn away from riches and then (laughs) we have this objective. Not I'm going to walk on streets of tarmac or concrete, but there's so much gold there, man, we're going to walk on the pavements that are going to be gold. Material, complete mess up in our thinking that we would value such materialistic things. And then, of course, we see God has a purpose for us. Not sit down and try and keep out of trouble and try and be good and let's hope Jesus comes before you fall in sin. But he has a purpose for us, and you're going to have to help me here, he has a purpose for us, that we are a people who impact, not focused on escape, but on impact. Making a difference. Some of the things that we hear about, God involves us in. Now what you have to do, you have to, you have to speak to somebody and say, you're here to make an impact. That might be a little bit too intimate for the person next to you. You might just have to say, I mean, choose your way, all right? You're for impact, mate. So you try it out, see if it works. It's hot in here. We ought to be happy. We're here to live now, not to wait until somewhere beyond the blue. We're here now with purpose, with a plan of God, to be used of God to show what he's like. And one of the primary ways of that, all men will know that you are my disciples when you all go to the same meeting and sing the same songs and know the same scriptures. Eh? All men will know you are my disciples in John 13, verses 34 and 35, when you love one another. Yes, when you love one another. He has the privilege of looking at the back of my head for an hour and a half or so. God bless you, brother. See you next week. Where in heaven's name is that loving one another? How can that be? It's a mere greeting. We're we're members 
And this is how it was. That's what I'm saying. We were members of the same club or the same group or whatever you like to say. And our, our togetherness was because of external things. We wore appropriate clothing on the outside. Goodness knows what was happening on the inside. Uh, and we knew the same songs. I mean, just, just be happy that you could have been locked in to that same religious one-way ticket to nowhere, except for God has called us into and equipped us to love one another to the point that we want to commit to share and give and care and be with one another like a big family, like a family that's functioning, like the family of God, just how God intended. And like that, that's the way he's chosen, set it up there in the New Testament, that we would actually show what he's like because he's a God of love. See, you can't show what God is like on your own. God is, God is community. Can't I have such a lovely relationship with Jesus? It's those others that are the problem to me. But Jesus and I, we just have such a lovely time. It has no truth and no bearing in the, in the kingdom of God and in the truth of the gospel. All men will know. We love one another. Love of God is made complete as we love one another. So we're coming from a situation, and this is where um, the radical difference began to come in. It wasn't about attendance at meetings, which was the only mark that was made in those days. How many meetings did you attend? My old pastor, who imparted so much to me, you say, this is the true Christians. They're here at the meeting in the rain. The fact that they all come by car and it didn't make any difference never seemed to actually get through. The idea of attendance. You know, when, we, when God began to show us things, Dawn and I felt we had to move out from that church but we wanted to be involved somewhere and we hadn't yet formed a group and so we went there was another church uh, just up the road in East Ham and I knew the leader of that church and one of the other guys and they'd come to we were running youth camps and they'd come to minister at youth camps and so on and so forth so I think oh let's we'll go there do you know we went there for six months the only invitation, the only indication of any friendship or desire for us was people said, oh, why not come to another meeting? We've got Bible study on Thursday. In six months, nobody invited us to their home 
or took any other interest other than the attendance of meeting. You can't blame them. That's what they understood. This is what God has delivered us from, the ability to live differently, to live in a committed way. The idea of this scripture that we looked at a little while ago about house to house just didn't exist, except for, interestingly, not quite in that way, but one or two isolated places. Dawn's parents was one of them. And the focus of what happened in those places was really determined by the, the householders, in that case, her parents. And it was, um, we would get together and, yeah, it would be fun, but it would be like to read the scriptures and to look at um, Matthew Henry. And that wasn't as easy as you might think because the only version of the old Matthew Henry concordance had the lettering where the S was, looked like an F. You had to be very careful how you read that. There was another home which was more kind of social. And I think we learned something, that the nature of the emphasis of the people who, whose home it is kind of determines what, not, not, not right or wrong as such, but it kind of determines what happens and the levels of commitment that follow on from that. So we began to learn some new and, and different things. Particularly, that that doesn't have to be a separate life. We're part of a kingdom community. We can share our life together. But it's not about just attending meetings. It's about living and loving one another in an, that committed way. And some of the things went a little bit deeper. See, I noticed on certain occasions our people could really have a strong, I suppose you'd call it disagreement or a healthy exchange of views or a jolly good sort of row if you want. And that they would deal with it and then it wouldn't be sort of withdrawing not going to talk to that person again. I'm having nothing to do with... Did you hear what they said to me? I, I mean, I know you would feel sorry for me and uh, you understand what they're like. Nothing. That, that couldn't be. And a sense of a commitment that requires us to deal with things, not withdraw from them. A commitment that says, you know, the love of God doesn't let me step back but requires me to resolve for the glory of God and the goodness of God and then there were things we began to experiment with and, and do together and we talked about some of those uh, outworkings of friendship it was before Costco there were things like cash and carry which you could get access to and we had this idea of buying food, sort of the group buying food uh, in those large amounts, much, much cheaper. 
And I think I told you before, that one came adrift after I was landed with this great seven pounds of, I don't know what sort of jam it was, and everybody in the group said, oh, no, we don't like that type of jam. So there we were. I think we still use it now. <laughs> <coughs> Then there was, hey, you know, let's, let's go out together. Let's do something together. And we want to do it. To, I mean, we're committed. So, we're, you know, he wanted to go see Spurs. What a waste of time. <laughs> Somebody else wanted to go and uh, look around the shops at Covent Garden. No, there weren't shops there then. There was a market there then. But... Uh, everybody had a different view. But out of love, we said, if we're going to do something together, let's turn aside from our view and let's just say, it might not be my choice, but I choose to do something as part of this commitment. Now, it didn't always work out. So we said, let's all go together. We'll get hire some coaches and... Uh, we're going to have this great day at Walton on the Naves. <laughs> that might not have been a smart move to start off with. Oh boy, did it rain. All day. It's a test of commitment. Actually, if you're on a coach, you've got to wait till the coach goes. So, Yeah, it didn't always work out. But it's the heart that matters, not just the action. There was another time when uh, we said, I don't know how we came up with these things. It certainly wasn't me. Let's go to the zoo. Somebody remember that? Yeah. You remember that? In the rain. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Coach again. Somebody was sick on the coach. The coach driver had nothing to clear it up with and wasn't willing to help. I mean, it, it started off bad and got worse. <laughs> Guys, what I'm saying is, if there's a heart commitment, it's not determined by how successful any particular event is. You know, in a family, you can get it wrong, you can fail, but you're still loved. That's commitment. And in the family of God, it's the same. It's about the love of God, not dealing with things, but at the same time, not making it an issue. And then, of course, there was other things that we did. I had a group at one point. Some of them are still here. I have to be careful how I put this. Um, we didn't have a name for it. It was, an, it was a, not, I don't know wasn't kind of like a house group so we called it being friends quite an innovative I mean quite an exciting title that was the title in this group were a number of strong minded opinionated people <laughs> being friends didn't always look like the best description you know but actually, to this day, they're still friends. Yeah, what am I saying? 
There can be disagreements. There can be things. I mean, fancy. Oh, dear. Do you know what? Crazy. But the commitment from the heart is the thing that we're concerned with. And then, you know, we did things in gardens and so on and so forth. Not everything worked out. Um, Alan Jenny Wright were leading the children's ministry very successfully. We were leading the church. Our children were growing up. My children, by the way, were always perfect. Uh, so it was hardly necessary. I think it was Sue Jarvis that laughed. And she, she knows because she used to stay at her house. So. Um, but we had this idea that, look, you know, we're leaders. We ought to have our families worshipping. So we decided to have a kind of worship time on a Saturday morning with just our kids. It was as dead as dead can be. It was an unmitigated failure. So we went swimming and had donuts instead. That worked a lot better. <laughs> See, guys, this is not about getting it all right. This is about the family of God joined together. Not always easy. Uh, quite early on when we were married, I think we, Dawn and I were going away, and Alan and Vivian... They're not here today, are they? Alan and Vivian, um, I think they just got married. they just got married? Or they needed somewhere to live? Can't remember the story. Perhaps it's a made-up one. (laughs) (laughs) And we said, okay, we're going to be away. You can have our flat um, while we're away. And somehow the landlord found out about it and told us, if you do that, you've, you've... broken the agreement, the tenancy agreements, and you're out. Hmm, But we felt this is what God should give us to do. So, you know, we said, let's do what we believe is right, our commitment to him and commitment to one another. And if we're out, we're out. And actually, as it happened, we weren't out and we stayed there for some, some period of time. Yeah, it wasn't comfortable for a bit because there was nothing else much around. So it wasn't always easy, and I'm not talking about it. It's not always easy if we're going to be open-hearted and share our life, our homes, our family with one another. It's not always convenient. It's not always comfortable. You're just about to sit down and watch your favourite television programme. What would that be? The news, oh yes, <laughs> yes, and then a beloved brother or sister arrives, needing to talk. Sometimes it gets a bit more serious than that. We'd been the family had been with me, and we'd been ministering uh, in the states, in in various places, and we were uh, finishing up in California, and I'd said to them since we're there at the end, because I know I've told you my children were always perfect. There was one slight deviation from that. They didn't always appreciate being in many meetings listening to me. I don't know why. I can't explain it. It's a phenomenon. But they didn't always appreciate it. And I said, you know, at the end, 
We're in California. We're going to take you to Disney. Oh, this was good. But sadly, uh, some of you will remember that have been around for a long time. That was the time that Joshua, young Joshua, died. And we felt we needed to come back because of commitment. Because that's what we believe in. And I, I think I want to be real with you. We weep with those that weep. And rejoice with those that rejoice. And sometimes these things just stay. And we live with them. It doesn't affect our relationship with God, our relationship with one another. But I wouldn't want to change it for the world. It's pleasing to God that we have the depth of love and care for one another, that it disturbs our life. We don't go out free. We enjoy being in the, in the place and presence of God. And we can go to the other extreme. Some years ago, there was a couple in the church, and uh, the wife was having a baby, and the husband um, suffered from one of these these uh, awful phobias of uh, hospitals and uh, I don't know it's blood or whatever but something like that and yet he really wanted and they wanted to be together at the birth and so we prayed and indeed he was able to be there he didn't faint or anything and the baby was born and, and that was a bit special as well and so in the early hours of the morning, we, we were close. They wanted to, re or he wanted to rejoice. She was in hospital. Well, I'm not about giving him an appointment at my office on Tuesday fortnight. He's about coming at two o'clock in the morning and we'll get up and we rejoice and thank God together. Because that's normal, isn't it? In committed relationship. So the joys... And the costs, it's not always easy. But you know, there's something special that, brothers and sisters, we're liberated to live a life of loving God and loving one another. Not in an anemic sort of superficial way, but in a way that affects the totality of our lives. It's a whole world of difference. Sometimes people, they, give it, they come to help. They're giving a helping hand. And they're coming for a certain time or for a certain thing. And once that's done, that's done. But it's the people who come to see the task through. And that is a real, real blessing. People say, no, I said that I come for this amount of time. But actually the job is taking longer. I'm here till the job is finished. It's a kind of, again, comes out of a, a, a heart attitude. We see these things. And sometimes they're more dramatic. I mean, I don't know if I'm all right to mention this, but I'm going to mention it anyway. 
when Richard Griffin needed to have his hip operation, he timed that between finishing foundation course or something like that and starting the next one in that period of time between the two. He put up with the pain in the meantime just so that he could express his commitment to the things that God had given him to do. I look at that, I think it's kind of pleasing to God's heart. It's not always dramatic things like that. Sometimes the little things. Sometimes just caring enough to think, to ask about someone or to ask about something that's happened. Very key, very important. Liberated to live and love and to enjoy, to have fun. You know, David uh, in the psalm said, I delight, O God, to do your will. Now, I honestly, in what I believed, I grew up thinking that actually there's life which is not too bad and there's God who says no to this, no to that, and no. I grew up under that, and some of the things were real. You know, and, uh, so many things I couldn't do because of that religious legalistic background. You know? I had to sort of, if I wanted to go to the cinema, I had to slip in while no one could see me because that was the seat of the scornful. That was a wicked place to be. As a little kid, I was taught that the, they used to have like a doorman, usher or whatever you call it, and that that's the devil's henchman. You need to run past there quick. And that was as a little kid. I didn't believe that when I got a bit older. <laughs> Crazy stuff. I could walk down the street on a Sunday. That was, that was okay. But if my foot happened to kick a football, that was sin. Where did, where did people get this stuff from? What utter nonsense. God has liberated us to please him and therefore to enjoy the fullness of life in a committed way. It's not just about what's on the outside. We discover the love of God. Actually, one of the ways we discover it is by the love of one another. It's not either or, it's both. And we also discover this wonderful thing of acceptance, which is not about conformity on the outside. All doing the right thing at the right time. My old pastor used to kind of seek to have a rapport with the, the guys, the drug addicts and people like that, petty criminals and what have you, that I used to take. Because it used to be that the idea was you took people into a meeting. That's the place. In fact, in our church, even if you made a decision for Christ on Wednesday, you had to do it again on Sunday because it counted for more if you did it on a Sunday. I'm not quite sure of the reference for that one. They used to say used to talk to these guys and it was his way. They would dress modern clothes, which of course, you know, Christians in those days, um, everything was at least five years out of fashion. Then it became holy. But in the first five years it was even haircuts, you know. The Beatles-style haircut. 
oh dear me, he really got a uh, telling off for that. So he would say, oh, how, fancy coming to the house of God. Rubbish. God does not dwell in houses or churches or any other buildings made by man. He dwells in the hearts of people. Fancy coming dressed like that. And I'm thinking, yeah, kind of modern, you know, sort of appropriate. Until the day when I took another, probably the worst in terms of levels of crime and morality that I ever took. But he was a good-looking guy. You know, really smart hair and very nice suit. And he looks at him and he says, my, you're a fine, wholesome young man. And I'm standing there, I thought, if only you knew what this guy is up to and has been up to. Uh, you just... So this looking on the outside... Acceptance is about we accept people because God accepts them. Normally you get to interrupt, so I thought I'll give a little... A little um, with, um, with my work with different faiths, what you come across is there's, there's, some, there's some wonderful things you can learn, but a lot of it is about reflecting back on our own faith and realising the freedoms that we have. And legalism is actually just part of the whole deal. And whereas we have an abhorrence of that, we don't want legalism, with other faiths, it's kind of what you do. And uh, I, I remember talking to a Muslim guy and saying, so why the beard? Well, we, just, we think that's how Muhammad looks, so we'll have a beard. It's complete externalism. And uh, I had, uh, actually, Hannah's with us today, and we had a visit to, um, to a, a synagogue in Birmingham, and it was a very eventful thing. They almost dropped the scrolls as we came in, so that, was a, that could have been a big moment. But um, they were saying there's a real problem because we're orthodox synagogue, which means you cannot do anything which relates to work. And we've got a pelican crossing outside. So what happens on the Sabbath is you get these little old ladies darting across this busy street because they can't press the button. So, you know, there's, there's a real issue. Now, we talked about having a zebra crossing instead. But, but I, mean, I mean, the ridiculous thing that they are so caught in this because they can't push a button. And, and that was totally, there was, no, there was no consideration, this is a bit daft. You know, what does the scripture really mean and all that kind of stuff. It was, this, this is it. We're just soaked into this, this thing. And I think, I mean, there's been a real problem there because obviously older people not necessarily so spry in terms of nipping across what is a very busy street. But that whole thing, and I, I, think, I think sometimes we, we can fall into legalism quite easily, but sometimes we, we don't realize what, how radical it is to be free of, of these external rules and things. So, Just while we're looking at this external, looking on the outside, which is completely contrary uh, to commitment, I took um, Noel Woodruff uh, to meet another uh, network leader in this country and to introduce him. And this network leader could not comprehend that this, this guy, black guy, was a uh, leader of a network in his own right. He could, he could only 
speaking terms of this must be one of my people that I brought along. And all his comments and all his talking was addressed to me. And I, you know what? I'm not even sure he realized what he was doing because the acceptance based on external rather than internal and then a color thing to boot in that. So we're looking at acceptance, acceptance people in different situations. I remember on one occasion, uh, one of the guys that we were involved with uh, had overdosed and we were praying him through the night um, in Dawn's parents' house and a couple of us had to spend the night there because we couldn't leave him on his own just praying and seeing him through. Do you know, he came through, but do you know what I remember most from that time? The smell of his feet. Oh, they were dreadful. I mean, we were locked up in this room with his stinking feet. It wasn't pleasant. We have memories. So we're talking about inviting people into our lives as part of commitment, not just um, into meetings. You know, when we're working with some people um, that are in great need, no good saying, uh, you know, just come to this or come to that. Even for us today, even for us today, no good just saying, come to the hub or come to the coffee shop. What we're learning and knowing is acceptance, commitment, based in love, means that we go beyond that into whatever the situation and need may be. And so, as we started to do these things, we had the opportunity to invite people into our homes and we'd meet together and have what, I suppose, what we call today groups, development groups, house groups. And we had one, we said, no, we don't just want to have a meeting, we want to kind of share together and... and uh, you know, we had three young kids, and uh, although they were always perfect, um, you know, they still had to be looked after. And so we had a scheme that uh, Dawn would cook some, I don't know, sausages or fish fingers or whatever other stuff, and we'd bring in a load of chips and we'd have a meal together. It wasn't very deluxe. It wasn't three-course. It was very, very basic. But the issue was... It was part of expressing our heart and desire to be together. The fact that one of the guys loved the opportunity to go into our bathroom and soak himself in my aftershave, which was very exclusive and expensive and disappeared at a very high rate of knots. Or another one used to, he used to like sit on the carpet, take his shoes and socks off, and as we were spending time, he used to pick his toes. Oh. I didn't like that. We were learning that what, when, when my old pastor was trying to sort of uh, deal with the complaints from people that wanted me to conform in a more traditional way, uh, very kind of nicely, he said to me one day, he said, John, you know, the work of God doesn't need to go on beyond midnight, you know which was his way of saying you need to go back to where you're staying earlier. Well, my understanding is the work of God can be 24 hours a day, if that's what God wants, that we're available at any time because we love one another. So we're talking then about 
a commitment that required a different lifestyle, uh, a, a different structure, new wineskins. We're talking about a commitment to Jesus and therefore to his people. Talking about life joints in the body. You know, we're, we're, we are actually, according to the word of God, a source of life flowing one to another. That's why we can't afford to have any kind of little, little sort of hesitancy in relationship. You know, if, if, if I've just got a little something about Daniel and I want to just stand back a little bit, that can interfere with the flow of life. The commitment, even the same picture that God gives us when he talks about we're to be like members of a body, there's a real commitment. My hand is very committed to my wrist. My wrist is committed, connected, joined to my uh, hand, hand and wrist together. It's a very clear picture that God gives us. Bible says that God loves that level of commitment out of a heart of love. We understand that if we're going to engage in that level of commitment, then basically there may be a cost, there may be an inconvenience, we may get things interrupted. <laughs> <coughs> Don't worry, it's just hands. It gets like that sometimes. Sometimes in the office it gets quite embarrassing. When it's I love the comment that C.T. Studd made, quoted by Jim Elliot. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I know it's not in the Bible, but that's a great quote of this issue of committing ourselves to the purpose and the way of God. Things we did, well, I've told you before. When we made a stand for righteousness and it looked as though all the support would be removed from me, one of the other leaders said, you know, 50% of my salary becomes yours. Another occasion when we were looking to see how we could manage things, the people that were supported by the church said, we'll accept a reduction in salary. The other leaders who were not supported by the church immediately said, and if you do that, then we will contribute the same percentage of our salary. See, it's... it's a commitment, not a requirement. It comes from a heart of love. And then there are other practical things, you know. Tools you can share. I share my tools. Not always that I know that I'm sharing them until I come to using them and then find that somebody who shared it hadn't brought it back. Names not mentioned to protect the guilty. Yeah, why do, I mean... If you live on the same street or just round the corner, do you all need to possess a ladder for the once a year you've got to go up and, you know, just we, we can share those things. It's about laying down life. Sometimes it, God takes us into further expressions. I think it was a very exciting time. We still talk about it today when a small group of us 
felt we needed to do something about the housing situation of a couple. And it was amazing. We actually pulled together. Now, how did we do that? We're not, we're not talking about a group of high earners or anything like that. We're talking about people who said, you know, I'd saved up some money to get a new car. I won't do it. Somebody else said, well, instead of going on holiday, we'll do this. And these things still happen amongst us. And they're part of that expression of commitment. Well, that was then. I've told you something against the backdrop of how things were and how radically different it was. But this whole series is about seeing how we can live with this spirit of adventure in a radical way, the radical normal. So, how could it be? What could it be? You know, I think we still have opportunity to live out of, outside of the, the culture zone, outside of the limited uh, nuclear family zone, and to have an awareness that leads to action for people that are not part of a family. There is a great opportunity. I've said to you fathers before, with children, when you're doing something with your children, to actually involve other children who may not have the benefit of a father figure in their situation. In the goodness of God, we're having the opportunity to reach across a wide spectrum of people I think that's thrilling. I resisted with all my being when the teaching came out from the church growth movement that you have to expand alongside your own people group. I said, that may be their theory, but it's never going to be our practice because that is not representative of the heart of God. I'm so glad when we had a prophetic word that spoke of us being like a, a sandbox of, of people uh, of all different types and nations and backgrounds coming together. That's representative. That's the ability where we're not living and loving people and committed to people that happen to be our type of people or our colour or our class or our background. But the love of God in us, just as it was in Jesus, reaches out beyond that into anyone that God sends and adds to be part of the expression of what God is like, a people who show what he's like by loving one another and caring for one another. We can share skills and abilities. I like it that we, we share pass-on clothes. I pass on all my clothes to Nick Brewer so that when he's doing... When he needs to do one of these fashion things, he's got all the things ready. He does not got to go out and get them. Here's a little thing, and we need to, to sort of draw it to a close. But um, one of the guys in Sierra Leone, he's not one of the leaders, uh, but he's a faithful servant, and he's involved in the, like the repair of the vehicles and that sort of thing. David November, uh, Richard's father, who's been a real support into, um, into Sierra Leone for a number of years, he's been involved with him and, and the vehicles. And through this Commonwealth Scholarship, we've managed to get him over, and he's in Devon at the moment, getting further training uh, as a 
and motor mechanics and all that sort of thing. But we felt it was good, and he would like to come and just see what he's heard so much about here. You know, that presents an opportunity. It's not convenient. It's just coming up to Christmas. Uh, we need to accommodate him. You know, there's opportunities all the time to say, I want my love to have that committed sense where it goes beyond convenient and putting myself out because that's what you do. When uh, when the children were growing up, it was the natural thing to put ourselves out. Isn't that so, parents? You know, you don't always want to get up in the night. You don't always want to wipe bums and clear up sick and things. I mean, anybody yet ever woke up in the morning saying, hey, I'm looking for a great opportunity to clear up some sick today? Of course not. But there's no rule that says you have to do it. Well, I suppose there is nowadays, but... uh, But it's not out of a rule, it's out of a love. And that is what God commends to us as a people who are expressing commitment. Joy of giving. We've got the conference coming up. Again, there's going to be a great opportunity again to give up your bed so somebody else can have it uh, and you can sleep on the floor and God will give you a wonderful night's sleep. Heal your bad back and all that sort of thing. All right, questions. We got a few minutes for questions, Daniel? Yes, that's fine. Hey, guys, we are followers of Jesus Christ. There's no place for a kind of lackluster, half anemic, weak hearted. We love and therefore we're committed. Yeah? Anything? Only two. There you are. on the more adventure side of things if life is already pretty challenging should I wait for Cam before I ask God for an adventure no start off by thanking God for the challenges that you're facing right now and as you thank God for the challenges you open the way for his grace you open the way for his grace to come into where you are now. Yeah. And the second question relating to today is, is our commitment to each other who are committed members of the church or to everyone we meet? For example, if I get talking to someone in the street in need, I might tell them about the hub, but should I also invite them home? Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's one clear, simple answer to this. We always are open to do what God's telling us to do. You can't make a formula for these things uh, yes the Bible says uh, that we should do good to all especially to those of the household of faith if we're expressing and living in a love relationship and community there is a higher level of expression of commitment and care and love and encouragement that's part of that taking on that responsibility it does not absolve us from anything that God will give us to do and lead us to do in that time. 